the bonus era, you would say, maybe already, I don't know. But um, I want to start by saying that, you know, right now is obviously a very difficult time, right? I mean, we are in a serious crisis. There's the crisis before, there's a life before Corona, and then there's a life after Corona. And it's, it's really amazing to see how many things have changed in a very short time. Um, and I really think what's happening is right now that we are rethinking about how we are going to do anything in the future. And it's funny, you know, as a futurist, I always talk about five to seven years from now. Uh, but today, everything is about now. Right? It's like the future has arrived very quickly. Uh, and another thing that's really interesting um, when you think about the future is that it's, it's never been less certain than it is now. I mean, the certainty that we had years ago by looking at the future, everything has changed in those three or four weeks, right? So mind-boggling changes. And I want to start by, by introducing this uh, saying here by Milton Friedman, right? Only a crisis, whether it's actual or perceived, produces real change. When that crisis happens, the actions that are taking are depending on the ideas that are lying around. So that's the crisis giving us input for changing and giving us input about what we may do different afterwards. Uh, first of all, of course, it's quite clear that this crisis isn't going to end anytime soon. I mean, we can go back to the restaurant, we can maybe go back to the beach a little bit, but are we going to travel in airplanes? Are we going to go to events with a thousand people? Are we going to go to Thailand for the weekend? You know, it's unlikely, right? It's a total reset. I can tell you from my own experience what is happening right now. This is why I call it the great transformation. My work has been to speak in front of many people in like 100 places a year. I took 350 airplane rides in 2019. Right? This year, I'm lucky if I'm going to take 10. Right? So my life has been completely transformed. We have to think of the future in a different way. So I, I want to use this image here. You know, we, we tend to look very much at the past, especially here in Europe, Italy and Switzerland, where I live. You know, we have a lot of tradition. We look to the past for our guidance, right? But the reality is, you know, we're going into the future on a jet stream now. And many things that we thought would take longer, they are here now. Uh, Bill Gates talked about the pandemic, you know, the virus situation six years ago in the TED Talk. And many people talked about it, and it's here now. And we have to understand that we must get better at seeing the future. So no matter whether you're in design or car making or a restaurant or tourism or government, uh, it's very important to understand the future, what I call foresight, right? And get a little bit out of the sort of looking in the mirror about the past. You know, that's one of the key things I think that's keeping us back a lot, right? Let me give you some examples, okay? Um, this situation, right? I mean, the government is telling us what to do now. That would have been unacceptable, you know, any government, the Swiss government, the European government, the American government, the Italian government, telling people when to go out and when to not go out, right? I mean, in a very short time, the government has become a very big authority in our lives. Right? Is that going to change? And which government can we trust? I'll, I'll talk more about the trust question. I think this is really what it comes down to. In the last six weeks, we have thought very much about who we trust, each other, the government, our co-workers. Right? This question of trust has emerged as a deep question. And 
the situation is, you know, clearly if you if you're looking at at the backdrop of this whole thing happening, right? It's it's like a giant reset where also some strange things are taking place, like this. Right? There are some habit changes that will go on. Right? This habit probably will not go on. At least I hope not. Right? But some habits will go on forever. And if you take a look at this habit, flying, we're not going back to normal. We may eventually go back to flying, but are we going to go back to normal? I think this is the key question we have to ask ourselves, especially in Italy. Are we just going to go back to the normal or are we going to start again? My view is that going back to normal in many cases will not be possible because the mindset has changed, the financial context has changed. I mean, if you're in business, manufacturing, whatever you do, supply chain, right? We found out supply chain wasn't as safe as it looked. So this is the main theme here for our event today, the transformation. Basically, what's happening now is because we are going into the future and looking at this and saying, okay, what parts of our life will continue and which ones will change? You take one example, I'll talk a little bit more about that later. Cruise ships, right? Venice, people are going to big places on cruise ships, very unlikely that this is going to be our future. And this, this part will fall out and other parts will come in. Now, I think for us in business, it's very important to think about which parts of the future can we put in and which ones are less likely to be needed. For example, on top of this, you can see, where is it right here, right? You can see technology, right? It's all about technology now. And now we have to think about what does it mean for our future? Where are we going with technology? Because uh, as I like to say, this is kind of the new normal. Right? We are literally in cyberspace. I mean, all of my speeches are now happening on the internet. You're probably talking to all of your employees constantly on Zoom and, and whatever other platform. We're going to have conferences much more on the internet. Will that stop if we can go back to meeting each other? Will we stop doing this? No. I think what's going to happen is right now, 30% of people in Europe are working at home. I think in Italy, that number was two or 3% before the crisis. And now we've learned that it's possible. We can work from home. We don't always enjoy working from home, but it's possible. It gives us alternatives. So our, our mindset has changed. Our habit has changed. So the most important thing about the future, I keep telling people, it's not about tomorrow. The future is not about you know, Star Trek, what's coming in, in 50 years. The future is in our heads. The famous science fiction author, William Gibson, he once said that basically the future is already here. It's just unevenly distributed. So we're living in a future that everybody has noticed, but we haven't paid enough attention to it. And I, I think especially today, it's quite clear, you know, Italy is one of the hardest hit countries in the world in this crisis, not, not just for the cases, but in so many aspects. And just across from the border from here, when we have to think about how can we go into the future that gives us both kind of the idea of survival and adaptation, but also takes us in a new direction. So I'm going to skip this one and, and show you basically what we need to do in regards to taking the next step in this direction. Right? I mean, if you're looking clearly with what's happening in technology, it's a mind-boggling development. Uh, as far as that is concerned, uh, talking about survival, right? This is the Microsoft HoloLens. You've probably seen it before. Um, and this is a demo, and I think this is going to become reality now of where a person can be projected as a keynote speaker here, right? This woman is showing speaking and basically can be projected into the room. So in the future, 
I'm going to go to the import. I'm going to go into this room, which costs about a million dollars right now, and I'm going to virtually appear somewhere else. Right? And uh, if you see the demo on YouTube, it's Microsoft HoloLens uh, Japanese. So when she takes out the holographic projection, and this has already worked years ago, but it's finally actually happening, right? the person that's there speaks Japanese. Will this become our, our future? Well, I, I hope it will become our future in so many ways for meetings. It will never substitute ourselves. You know, going to actual places, meeting people, that won't ever happen. But clearly, we can see most of what we're doing is moving here to the cloud. And I can guarantee you, the more we move stuff to the cloud, you know, our music, our films, our television, our books, our library, our banking, right? The more we move things to the cloud, the more we want to actually meet with people. Let's not forget the most important thing for humans is not technology. It's not just making it happen like this. The most important thing for humans is experiences, engagement, and experiences, and, uh, and relationships. Being able to relate to each other, trust each other, those are things that make us human. I think very important, I think if we think about restarting our business after doing and after the crisis, Technology will be the great helper, but the mix of what makes us human and how people trust us is kind of how we go forward. When you look at the, uh, the sort of promotion of technology, it's really interesting to see in the last couple of weeks, you know, people have gone from using Zoom, you know, from 20 million to you know, 300 million and, and 50 other platforms. Right? I think this is going to stay, but it's, it's, it's just kind of a simulation of how we are in real life. You know? We shouldn't confuse that with our real contact. You know, for example, the, on the issue of trust I talked about earlier, trust isn't digital. Trust cannot be downloaded. Uh, your customers won't trust you just because you have an app. Right? This is about relationships. And I think these technologies will help us build relationships, but they're really just tools. They're kind of showing us a future that is possible. Right? So many people that think that technology is kind of like this, this magic tool that changes our entire world. But the reality is that this here, sorry, <laughs> I'm getting confused with the mirror here, right? But the importance of having the human contact, that, that's really our future. And I think it's important for us to understand when we build the business, how much emphasis do we put on the tools or we put on the relationships. And clearly this is going to be uh, even more important when we go into this future, right? Technology will now become kind of smart, right? artificial intelligence. And clearly this is uh, interesting because a common confusion, you know, when we talk about human intelligence, right? This is the kind of intelligence that we have, social, intellectual, emotional. It's not at all like a machine. So I think when we look in the future, we were saying, okay, we're going to bring in those machines. Right now, a self-driving car, if it can actually drive itself, is not intelligent like a human. It's basically an intelligent assistant. Very important point, I think, for us to remember, we are human, we are actually not machines, I, I don't think. Right? So we should sometimes put technology in its place and make sure we're still doing the things that, that we can do the best. Let me show you some graphs on this. Um, just real simple, you'll, you'll see here the sort of forecast of how much data is going to come into our world. And now you're seeing a forecast, what kind of jobs will go away because of artificial intelligence. And it's quite clear the jobs that are routine you know, transportation, storage, manufacturing, many of those jobs are not total routine, but many of those are routine jobs and commodity jobs, as people say, they will be done by machines. And the jobs that are not routine, right, health, scientific, 
technical uh, understanding, you know, we'll show up again in a second, <laughs> that we can say, well, that, that's clearly going to be the jobs of the future. Let's keep in mind, there's a balance between those two and a shift. You know, about 100 years ago, 85% uh, of Europeans, parenthesis, uh, worked in agriculture, and today that's less than 2%, but we're not all unemployed. Uh, this is a shift that we're seeing. We have to use technology uh, to make things better for us and then improve what we can do as, as people. Right? I think clearly when we look at technology like this, right now technology is the winner. Right? I mean, in this crisis, if you don't have internet, you don't have a camera, you don't have a mobile phone, you are in deep trouble. <laughs> and that's going to grow technology to be even more like our relationships are, are, are embedded online and, and social networks and so on. Right? Technology is exploding. We have to be very careful to put technology in its place like this graph shows. You know, it's important to connect and sometimes it's important to disconnect. I mean, happiness is not a download, right? Relationships aren't just consumed like this. And I think it's also very important to think about things like surveillance. You know, I think it's okay if the government uses data from us right now to track us and to do tracing and to help us find the right connections and so on. But afterwards, we should go back to a certain amount of freedom and liberty in terms of the mix. Um, another sector that's going to do great is healthcare. I mean, clearly, you know, the the chase for the for the uh, for the vaccine, right, and, and of course also the treatment, right, um, of the current COVID crisis. That's going to be a big deal. But not just that. I mean, everything around healthcare is set to explode. You want to invest in the future healthcare, biotechnology digital assistance that is exploding. I foresee literally trillions of euros flowing into the healthcare sector on the public side and on the investment side, probably coming out of the oil industry, which I'll talk about shortly, why that's not going to go anywhere. Lots of Italian companies are, of course, in that turf on the um, diagnostics and all these kind of things. And the future of pharma, you know, clearly is the convergence of technology and biology. And that's clearly a huge opportunity, I think, also where we can think about uh, how that will be done in, a, in, a, in our social system and who's going to pay for what and all these kind of things. I also see positive things for food. In our future, we're going to start looking to create food differently, like vertical farming, uh, food that's done in the lab. You know, we heard about artificial meat, I'm sure. I tried it. It doesn't taste as bad as it sounds. Uh, and, you know, protein substitutes and so on. I think our entire food cycle is now going to be questioned also because of COVID and the corona crisis. People are wondering, can we be self-sufficient? Right? Where does the food come from? The water. So that's going to be a great boon there. Clearly, I think we're going to invest a lot of money there in next generation food and agriculture. Uh, that also has to do, of course, with climate change, which I'll talk about shortly. Uh, one word about manufacturing uh, and factories and design and production and so on. Clearly, we're going to see what I call the game changes in my book. Uh, that is chapter six, along with the mega shifts. That's chapter three. That's, by the way, a free download. You'll get the link later. Uh, and what's happening here is that we're not just anymore in the fourth industrial revolution, as, the, uh, as various people have talked about over the years. Right? We're actually moving to the fifth industrial revolution, right? and that's artificial intelligence. It's basically moving into a world where technology can take over for us and do the routine jobs. We can see that happening right now. Automation clearly is a key factor also uh, in creating new opportunities. For example, uh, Amazon is the king of automation. 
uh, but last year it hired 240,000 people in one year. Um, so I think that's a bit of a, a, a challenge to jobs because the more we automate, the more we have to move up the food chain. Um, and that's clearly going to be a challenge for us, but I would not be that worried that there are new jobs. Uh, all you have to do is look backwards and say, well, 10 years ago, we didn't have social media. We didn't have social media communication. Today, every company has people working on social media. In fact, there's 21 million people are working on social media. Jobs didn't exist 10 years ago. Will there be new jobs because of the game changes in artificial intelligence, the internet of things? Absolutely. Uh, do we know what they are? Not really. That's a bit scary. We have to prepare for different skills and think about those directions, right? So um, supply chain, really a quick comment on this. You know, now we have this huge debate about supply chain, whether we need to diversify supply chain. Some people are saying globalization is, has been a bad thing. I think globalization is here to stay. These issues are global. They're going to remain global. We're going to parallelize supply chain. We're going to use more technology to make it safer. We quickly have learned the lesson in supply chain in the last three months. Uh, but it's surprising to see how well it has actually worked compared to the worst cases. So it's, to me, I think that's a topic we're clearly struggling with the issue of globalization also because, of course, the initial impulse is when something goes wrong is to protect ourselves more. I think that will probably not work in the long run because issues like water, food, cyber warfare, genetic engineering, you know, those are issues that are global issues where we have to collaborate. So that brings me to the key point of my speech. I have a few other key points, but here's an Italian company called Avio, and they have uh, invented a new airplane seat. Well, the seat goes with the plexiglass thing. You know, it seems like if you're in the business of plexiglass these days, you know, you probably come out ahead no matter how you look at it. But now people are thinking about how we're going to fly in an airplane and keep the distance, right? So there's a whole draft of things that just came out about how companies are, are doing this. There's four points I want to say about our immediate future in the next year, say maybe two years. Right? First, survival. I think right now it's about survival. It's about getting all the support you can, about collaborating, about being kind to your, to your staff, to your mem team members, right? to everybody, to your clients. And there's companies that haven't been kind. I'll talk about that shortly. And everybody's going to look back at this time, and they're going to say, have you done the right thing during the war? <laughs> the COVID war, you could say. Right? So very important survival, and then adaptation, you know, finding new ways to go forward. And it's going to be basically every day there'll be an other adaptation challenge. I am the first one to adapt, you know, moving from the big stage to online. And, and you know, it's not perfect, but I'm getting there. And the third one is collaboration. I mean, it's not going to be any more about competition. So one thing I can tell you right now, I can see in my sector here in Switzerland, there's so many more companies collaborating that used to be competitors. And that's how we can get to a new place to reinvent quickly together. And the last point leads to the transformation. So print this out, right? Survival, making sure that things are still going to go forward. Adaptation collaboration, transformation. I saw a great manifesto yesterday from the designers in Milano. Uh, I think it was called the Digital Design Manifesto about how to relaunch when the lockup is over, going exactly in this direction. We have to think a little bit differently now. We can't just go back to the old. We're, in fact, not going back to the old. Here's a great example of why we're not going back to the old. 
This is a, a, a test, antibody test, imaginary, of course, that we may have to take if we're going to travel internationally in the near future. You know, imagine, I mean, if we're going to get a vaccine in a year, maybe, maybe sooner, but it doesn't look like it, a year from now, people are going to ask, you know, if you want to travel to America or to New Zealand or wherever you want to travel, you're going to need those kind of tests. Imagine what that will do to travel. Imagine what kind of new opportunities will open up. But if you're an airline right now, yeah, that really makes you think. And that's one of the uh, businesses where I say, well, I think Lufthansa announced yesterday, or now it was Swiss, saying that it's going to be 2022 until it's back to normal for intercontinental uh, traveling. Uh, one thing that is, I think, long overdue is that we're probably going to have to do without the cruise ships. Because, you know, who's going to go voluntarily go back on a cruise ship? with another 1,500 people. I mean, I may be wrong there because maybe people overcome it quickly, especially Americans maybe. But I think this is one business where we can safely say that is difficult on so many levels and this may be the end of it. So maybe we can discuss later what you think of what the impact of that is. But I think it's primarily a good thing uh, if we can build an industry that is not based on the local exploitation like this. So bottom line is this, right? We're going to a new program. It's time to switch on the new program. Part of the old stations are shut down, you know, the way that we used to do things. You know, business as usual, we're going to have business as usual. I think business will be unusual pretty much all the way around. And if we're lucky, we'll discover some things that go back. I think we'll go back to restaurants, not like we used to. We'll go back to flying or driving a car or meeting, but with social distancing, there may be a second wave. But we have to be prepared to switch to new channels. Uh, let, let me address one really important issue, and that is tourism. Um, you know where this is, of course. Right? My favorite street in Milano, all the great restaurants are no longer active at the, at the time. I think this week is the reopening, right, for some of them. Um, clearly, tourism is in, in for a huge challenge. There are good things here, however. You see on this chart here, sorry, I keep confusing the sites, right? We have local people traveling. Not just Italians, but also Swiss and Germans to each other sooner or later once we can do that again. International travel, I think that will be difficult. And this is a tough one for Italy. Huh? Italy obviously has a huge chunk of international travelers. And it's going to be more local. I think the good thing about travel and tourism in the near future is local tourism, different kind of tourism, sustainable tourism, maybe not the mass approach anymore, maybe a slightly different approach, but definitely uh, survival adaptation, collaboration, transformation. That's definitely a challenge, but I think not a challenge that we can't overcome. Clearly, if we're going to see this in the future, uh, I've, I've did, I did a little bit of research on the plexiglass thing, which now there's people proposing to put it on the beach in Rimini. I hope I hope you don't go there to try this out. It seems unlikely to be a, such a nice thing to do on the beach. And of course, the restaurants. You've seen this I've just made the rounds in Italy a couple of days ago right, to where uh, people are putting out plexiglass. But this is adaptation. Think of it in a mental way. Maybe you have to put up some mental plexiglass you know, to, to start business again in a new way. So that wraps up this part of the presentation. Now I'm going to talk a little bit about climate change. Okay. I know this is a, a bit of a, uh, a topic that seems to have lost momentum compared to COVID. But basically what we're seeing here, and I think this is not all bad news. I'll explain in a second why. Um, the effects of climate change and global warming are going to be a thousand times of what we see in COVID. 
in terms of the impact on our lives. It's just that there are 10, 20, 30, 50 years away. The United, uh, United Nations Climate Change Panel says it'll be roughly 50 years until we may have an increase of over 4% of warming, 300 million climate refugees in Europe. We have to act on this, and I think it brings up great opportunity to think about if we can do this that we're doing right now to fight an immediate threat, what could we be doing when it's about fighting a larger threat, climate change? Are we willing to pay a carbon tax? Are, are we rethinking of how we travel? This is a great opportunity. I think many people are thinking that the corona crisis is a bit of a test. But I can tell you right now, I think Italian companies have led the way there in many ways. If you're not sustainable in the near future, people will not look at you. Sustainable in the, in the larger sense, not just in terms of uh, resources right? or you know, fossil fuels, but generally, right, what's called the circular economy. That's clearly coming. Uh, I think we can also safely say, if you're in the oil business, right, the end of oil is near. I know I've said that for 10 years, but it's finally becoming true. You know, the oil economy is something that kind of belongs in the past. And we see oil and gas companies and coal companies as, as burning platforms. Uh, worldwide, we still have 80% of the energy is done by fossil fuel. But this is a huge opportunity also because, you know, the oil business employs 10,000, 10 million people. Uh, the sustainable industry, I think, could employ 100 million people. And if you look at what's happening in the stock market, I mean, if you put money in Aramco right now, yeah, yeah, this is, will it go back up? Yes, but is it a business? I think we'll go in the future. The end of oil is near. That's something to keep in mind because it also brings, again, vast new opportunities in renewable energy and other things like nuclear fusion and things. So, again, here we have to expect this. I think not this year, obviously, because of the current situation, maybe not next year, but it will happen probably in a year or two is that everything that we know will be subject to carbon tax. Not just manufacturing and, and, and what we do in our production cycles, but meat, right? agriculture, airlines paying a carbon tax on each ticket, ships, transportation, container shipping. That should unlock a huge amount of money for doing new things. And I, I see a great paradox here, of course, because on the one hand, nobody wants to pay an extra tax, right? But on the other hand, you know, maybe this is something that we can learn about the future. That brings me to one of my final points, and that is government. Right now, we're living in the time of big state. The state is now basically in every country, the state has taken over so many things that like in Switzerland, you can say, well, we basically have a basic income now. Everybody's getting paid for doing something or the other. And I know we're lucky there compared to other countries. Right? But from New Zealand to Iceland, right, all, I mean, all over the world, we're seeing the state grow in importance. And this is why it's so important that we trust the state, that we figure out how they can be made trustworthy, that they understand the future. Of course, this is a huge topic in Italy. I'm not going to put my hand into a minefield here. But clearly, I mean, this is also a huge discussion that goes with the next one, which is Europe, right? Here's the bottom line on Europe and the euro bonds, the corona bonds. I think this is a make it or break it moment for Europe. Either we can exist in solidarity, you know, egged on by the virus, or we cannot. And in my view, it has to be unlimited solidarity, north, south, 
east-west to come out of this as what's called the United States of Europe. I know it sounds crazy to talk about that. Now, I read yesterday, and you know, I live in Switzerland, but I'm German originally, uh, some research showing that 46% of Italians are now distrusting Germany for what happened, or the Germans, what, for what happened, I hope that's not true for me, for what happened during the crisis. I can understand that, but I think we're looking at a future where we have to solve these issues together. And I think that's the story of Europe. I have great confidence that the Commission and the Parliament will make the right steps, but this is definitely a tough place because, you know, this is our future. We're going to live in a global society where it's important that we collaborate on water, food, science, security, safety, and of course, everything else that matters to us and everything else that we, we can only achieve together. Look at this graph here the expected uh, debt of Italy after the public spending. Now, clearly that is a situation that needs to be tackled on a pan-European level. That's my opinion. And I would love to hear your feedback on this. So I'm going to wrap up and say, what does it mean for us personally? There's a trust crisis, right? We've, we found out that we can trust some people uh, and then we found out we cannot trust other people. Uh, and this is a really big point. I think the most important thing in business, the most important currency is trust. I love this picture because this is what your customers want to feel like. If you're going to catch them when their government gets hard. I'm going to trust you to fly up in the air and, and not crash on the ground. And clearly there are companies who have not done that and they will be looked down upon after the crisis is over. I think in so many ways, trust is the most important thing you can show to your customers and your coworkers. And that goes with kindness. You know, we have learned unexpected acts of solidarity around the world, you know, from the singing to the sharing to the spontaneous thing. And that makes me believe that ultimately humans are good, you know, parenthesis. Hopefully you would agree on this. Right? So um, on this trust level, just as one example, you know, you've seen the sign, it's made the, it's made the rounds in the media in Italy everywhere, right? If you can give, please do. If you can't, then take something. I mean, this is a, a pretty amazing point that could lead as the guideline to our future. Right? And that leads also be the guideline for Europe and the guideline for our businesses. That's how we can sustain. In contrast, Airbnb, for example, has proven that they, they, uh, they've had all these conflicts now in the last couple of weeks that will not refund people for, for trips on an appropriate level. Even I, on my own level, uh, have Airbnb refuse refunds and take the commission on trips that didn't happen. When you do those kind of things, you don't recover. Um, and it's, I think it's really clear, this should be a motto of how we do our business, right? If I can say that. Right. So to wrap this up, this future, right? staying among ourselves, wrapping up our own business in such a way won't work. This is our new future, right? We are interconnected, collaborating, helping each other, starting new ideas uh, by thinking out of the box. Clearly that's where things are going. I use this symbol that I have in my, in many of my films. I won't write to what I said earlier. Right? It's about hyper-collaboration. This is how we're going to get to this crisis. Figuring out new ideas, adopting and adapting, collaborating, and then coming up with new ideas, new business models. Like this very thing here that we're doing today is a new business model. Are we only going to do meet online? Of course not. But are we going to continue meeting online? Yes. 
This is a new business. As I always said, digital conferencing is the future. And the more I do this, the more I want to come and meet you. And I think, you know, given that Milan is not that far away, I hopefully I'll be able to do that. So I wrap up by this, uh, essentially saying, it's so important that we don't look at the future as a black hole. We have to understand what's coming. We have to have foresight. And we're talking about, you know, next two or three or five years, not 50 years. And this is not about prediction. It's about getting a good feel for what's coming. No matter what business you're in, now you have to have a, a good idea of what's coming and what is possible and not going back to what it used to be, but adapting, coming up with new things. So um, thanks for your time and your attention. Uh, I'm happy to take some questions now uh, or maybe shed light on some important points. I know this was a lot of details. <laughs> so I thank you very much for holding on and, and for uh, 